Um, so to my right, right here on our first slide, is Kat Von D. She's a celebrity, a well-known artist, musician. She's been a TV personality, and recently, like over the last year, renounced her involvement in occultism and witchcraft, uh, and has given her life to Jesus in a very small Baptist church in Indiana, and was baptized just a few months ago. And so she posted this on her Instagram, on her social media this last week, that the response from the world, including her friends and family and people who have known and follow, followed her, is largely positive, with a couple notable exceptions from people who have called her out, saying that her faith is fake, this is all a stunt, and that her baptism is fake, and so is she. And who were these people? Christians. <laughs> I'll invite you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Acts, chapter 10, and we will pick up the story starting in verse 9, and we'll continue through to Acts 36, because it's so fascinating, um, encouraging and empowering, but also a mixed bag of disappointment to how history tends to repeat itself, specifically with the religious mind, which Jesus wants to get us away from by his spirit. So Acts chapter 10 starting in verse 9 and all the way to verse 36. So you can see that I'm not making any of this up. The next day at Cornelius' messengers were nearing the town as Cornelius' messengers were nearing the town. Okay, hold on. Who's Cornelius? We'll come back to that in just a second. We're nearing the town. Peter, Simon Peter, went up on the flat roof to pray. It was about noon and he was hungry. But while a meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. Okay, so Peter has already begun to travel. Do you remember the earliest titles of the people who followed Jesus. What were they called? The way, and then uh, from an individual level, disciples, right? So ones who follow, ones who are learners or talented is the the phraseology. But then through the book of Acts, we see a, a new title appearing for these followers. What are they called? Apostles, which comes from the Greek word apostolos, which means ones who are chosen to be sent. These are no longer stayers. These are no longer just church folks occupying a seat or a pew. These are people who by virtue of their title and anointing by the Spirit of God are sent out. Peter has started to do this. He's ventured far away from the city, the logos, the place, the dwelling spot, the temple of God, and he's moved out into the countrysides, fulfilling the book of Joel's prophecy, which we'll get to in just a second. Okay, so that's we're two verses in. While a meal was being prepared, Peter fell into a trance and he saw the sky open, where have we heard this before, and something like a large sheet or mast is the actual rendering, like a, um, almost like a sail mast, was let down by its four corners. In the sheet were all sorts of animals and reptiles and birds, very Levitical language, and then a voice said to him, get up, Peter, kill and eat them. What? Mm-hmm. Not get up, Peter, kill, sacrifice them as an aroma that's pleasing to God, get up, kill and eat them. No, Lord. Peter declared, I have never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure and unclean. But the voice spoke again, do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. This same vision was repeated one, two, three times. Then the sheet was suddenly pulled up into heaven and Peter was very perplexed. I mean, what could this vision mean? Just then the men sent by Cornelius' house found Simon's house and standing outside the gate, they asked if a man named Simon Peter was staying there. Meanwhile, as Peter was still up on the roof, puzzling over the vision, the Holy Spirit said to him, three men have come looking for you. Get up, go downstairs and go with them without hesitation. Don't worry for I have sent them. 
So Peter went down and he said, I'm the man you're looking for. Why are you here? Why have you come? And they said, we were sent by Cornelius, a Roman officer. He's a devout and God-fearing man, well-respected by all the Jews. And a holy angel instructed him to summon you to, to his house so that he can hear your message. If ever there were a nightmarish scenario for a Jewish leader who's led a revolt against Rome and against the Jewish like religious construct at the time, this is it. Military leaders have been sent to this house to confront Peter. <laughs> and why? Because a holy angel instructed Cornelius to summon him to his house so that he can hear your message. So Peter invited the men to stay in for the night. The next day, he went with them, accompanied by some of the brothers from Joppa. They arrived in Caesarea the following day, and Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together all of his relatives and close friends. Interesting, not military power, not workers, but relatives and close friends. His family is there. As Peter entered his home, Cornelius fell at his feet and worshipped him, but Peter pulled him up and said, Stand up, I'm a human being just like you. So they talked together and went inside, where many others were assembled. Peter told them, you know it is against our, our, our laws for a Jewish man to enter a Gentile home like this or even to associate with you. But God has shown me that I should no longer think of anything or anyone as impure or unclean. Now, it's interesting, the vision just a minute ago, it was the food, but Peter t extrapolates to the fuller message, not just anything, but anyone no longer should I think of anyone as impure or unclean. So I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. Now tell me why you sent for me. Cornelius reply, replied four days ago, I was praying in my house about the same time, three o'clock in the afternoon, and suddenly a man in dazzling clothes was standing in front of me. He told me, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your gifts to the poor have been noticed accepted by God. Now, send messengers to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. He is staying in the house of Simon, a tanner who lives near the seashore. So I sent for you at once and it was good of you to come. Now, we're all here waiting before God to hear the message the Lord has given you. Then Peter said, I see very clearly, clearly that God shows no favoritism. In every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. And this is the gospel, pay attention. This is the gospel, the good news for the people of Israel, the nation, that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. Okay. So what's made this all happen? Again, these disciples have now been, uh, become apostles and have been set out, sent out to the farthest reaches of the known world, Jerusalem, Judea, uh, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth without fear of death or persecution. And this persecutive wave has happened like we heard last week uh, and the week before. Stuff has started to happen where there's opposition Despite the blessing and the indwelling of the spirit, there's opposition by the nations, in particular the religious people, around this new frame of how to understand who God is and how God works by the spirit that now isn't just here for special occasions, birthday parties and bar mitzvahs, but is here forever, living within his new temple, which is the people of God, not just the bricks and mortar house of God. And so Peter has been obedient and he has been sent out. He's at this house of Simon the Tanner and uh, two, these two visions coincide. While he's there on the roof praying as a guest in this ho home by the sea, uh, Cornelius, who's a Roman officer, also has a vision. 
Now, if you're a good Jewish boy or a good Jewish girl and you're reading the story, immediately your mind would be hearkened to Joel, the book of Joel, which was a prophecy, one of the minor prophets that says, in those days, your men and women and children, old man and young, will see things, will experience things, will dream things, and I will pour out my spirit on all people, on all people. And now it's coming true. Now it's coming true. True. Now, who is Cornelius? Cornelius is a, a Roman officer. He's a non-Jew. He's respected by, he's called a God-fearer, which um, isn't like a, um, an accidental term that, Luke's, that Luke is recording here. A God-fearer is somebody who observes um, religious law in the context of Judaism while also staying true to uh, you know, Roman custom. So as a, as a Roman officer or captain, um, he would have likely been in charge of 100 or so men in particular. And it's interesting, um, he's a centurion, right? So if you're familiar with the gospel writings or even Luke's writing or even Luke's telling of the story, when is the last time we hear about a centurion? Exactly, exactly. When, when a centurion sends for uh, Jesus and says, you, you, I know you can't come to my house, but just say the words and my servant will be open. Uh, now, after that, we also read in one of the gospels that uh, there's a centurion at the, the feet of the cross of Christ and says, surely this was a God-fearer. This was a man of God. This was the son of God, right? So we're seeing some respect for the religious custom of the day, but as a Roman officer, you would have also had to adhere to some semblance of religiosity for the pantheon of gods. So we have a Roman, a non-Jew, a military leader who's very wealthy. And where is he from? He's from Caesarea, 60 kilometers northwest of where Peter is, about 100 kilometers from Jerusalem where things get started. And despite that distance, what is the thing that interrupts his day? An angel of the Lord an angel, a physical manifestation of the divine, decides to come and meet with and communicate with a God-fearer who's also likely um, like a polytheist who, who is adhering to the way of God, but also is like having to hold in tension the worship of many other deities. And God does not rebuke. God appears to him and says, everything is going to change. To change, And it's interesting, uh, the angel of the Lord, which is the, the rendering of the text, um, uses Levitical language. It says, uh, your alms for the poor or your offerings have been pleasing and acceptable to God, just like a sacrifice, and has not gone unnoticed. God, like Quincy said last week, has noticed you, sees you, and wants to speak to you. God has noticed you, sees you, and wants to speak to you. Everything is about to change. He sends for Peter, invites him in, where tons of Gentiles have gathered to hear and learn. Now, fast forwarding to the Peter story, you're Peter, imagine, imagine, you're Simon Peter. Uh, you've already gone through just a, a brutal last season. You've been sent out, you decide to travel. And the spirit of God uh, brings you into a vision, a dream, right? Uh, you're on the roof. You smell like what's cooking for lunch. You're praying and you're like, I'm kind of hungry. And Peter has this vision of this sail, this sheet that settles with all sorts of animals and reptiles and reptiles. And what are reptiles in this context? 
They are unclean animals. They're not even used for sacrifice, really. They are the scurriers of the ground, some would say snake, and God is including it here, saying nothing is profane anymore. Nothing is profane anymore. And doesn't just invite Peter to take and sacrifice as a pleasing aroma to God, but take and kill and eat. Take and kill and eat. What is happening here. And then Peter's like, oh, this must be a test. I mean, I I already like betrayed the son of God, Jesus, the Christ, the Mashiach already. This is a test for me. No, 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 Lord. No, 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 Lord. I would never do this. I've kept all the laws since I was a a young kid. Um, I know my Jewish laws and customs, but the voice spoke again, do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. This is not a test, Peter. I know what's in the back of your mind of your betrayal not long ago and probably your own semblance of insecurity of like, God might not use me. I betrayed him three times, three times in temple worship, three times. And the same vision was repeated three times. Three times. And then the sheet was suddenly pulled up heaven. And Peter was understandably, I mean, my goodness, very perplexed. What could the vision mean? He just, just told you, (laughs) just told you what it meant. What could it mean? And this is like the, again, the religious mindset, again, God speaks very clearly to us. And then within minutes, I'll speak for myself. I'm like, oh, did I hear that? Is that bad pizza? Is it the reptile that I ate? Like what's going on? Ah, I doubt it away, doubt it away, doubt it away. Just then, the men sent by Cornelius found Simon's house. This is not good news. This is not good news for Peter, right? You've got a Roman guard that has arrived at the house. You've already gone through a wash of persecution. You've left Jerusalem where persecution is hot and heavy and they've found you. They have found you. What do you think Peter is thinking in this moment? What would we be thinking in this moment? There's there's somebody here, bro, like we put you up in this house to care for you and like uh, guards are out front. It's a wrap. It's a wrap. Meanwhile, as Peter was puzzling over the vision, the Holy Spirit came to him and said, men have come looking for you. Now, get up, go downstairs, go with them. Without any hesitation, don't worry, I'll kill them all. No, don't worry, for I have sent them. So Peter went down and said, I'm the man you're looking for. Why why are you here? Like, why have you come? So kosher and cleanliness, this is really, really interesting. So Peter's vision, there's a, there's a threefold um, snapshot that, that God is giving. Now, um, lest we think that, oh, those, that Levitical law was such a strange and obtuse way for God to, to act with his people, but it, it was not. So in most cases in Levitical law and in the, the Torah itself, when a community is given guidelines, it's to protect and help people, not to harm them. Again, we're dealing in an ancient culture that does not have cell phones or headphones or available hospital care or nurses or nurse practitioners or IVs or supplements or vitamins or anything like that. If you uh, do not, if you eat something that's like unclean or you don't properly take care of yourself, Death is a, is a likely option for you. Most children in first century, uh, in a first century context, did not make it out of like age three. 30% of uh, children died in childbirth. So these rules of kosher guidelines and cleanliness are, are twofold when God gives these instructions. It's, it's to protect you and to set you apart. 
It's to protect you and care for you and set you apart as my chosen people. Holiness is the word that we often use. What does holiness mean? Does it mean like being like exactly as perfect as God is? No, it means being set apart by God and for God. Does that make sense? Being set apart by God and for God. Holiness marked by God, set apart to represent God. And then food becomes and sacrifice becomes a symbol of this higher reality. So the residue of Levitical law is still made, is brought to even more clarity here in this section. Uh, How do we live well in this community? knowing that this won't be how things always are, and how is God taking the principles of the law to move us towards a new reality? Peter, take, kill, and eat. Three times, Peter, take, kill, and eat. Three times, Peter, take, kill, and eat. Why? The message of Uh, the Israelites was always to be a blessing and not a curse to the world. To get the message of the one God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord your God is one. The message of the the one true God out into the world and and to be a blessing that God is love, that God is not wrath or or death, but God is life and love. And God will, will use you, will use us, will use the Israelites to be a blessing to the entire world, to repaint the picture of who and how God is. Now imagine, as a, one of the closest followers of Jesus, Peter hears this rekindled in this vision. Take, kill, eat, take, kill, eat. In Mark chapter 7, Jesus is arguing with the Pharisees, the school of which uh, Paul comes from, and they're testing him on, like, why do your disciples obey some rules and not others? Why don't you keep our judicial and food laws? Uh, Why do you, like, abscond with the things that we hold so dear? And Jesus coins this phrase. It's not actually, like, food comes in, uh, and then it's processed, it's excreted. It's not, like, what goes in the body. It's actually the heart of the person. Food is just a symbol of a greater reality. And then in Mark's gospel, Mark's commentary on Jesus presenting this is he says, uh, if you remember um, Mark chapter uh, 7, 17 to 19, he says, and in saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. There's no food that is unclean anymore. So imagine being reminded for Peter, like, oh my goodness. Like we were following and likely each of these uh, Jewish apostles continued to follow kosher, but something is now changing for this Gentile movement that continues forward. So, Principle one, it seems that God cares more about people than rules. Principle one, it seems that God cares more about people than he does rules. Principle two, it seems that God cares more about relationship with himself, with people, than he does religion. It seems that God cares more about inter, uh, intimate connection with the divine, with himself, than he does about a system of rules and regulations that actually have no personal bearing on connection with God now and in the future. Verse 44, even as Peter was saying this, so, so what's happened, um, both Peter and Cornelius share, share each other's visions and they compare. And then uh, 
Peter gives like a short version of the gospel that this is good news for Israel. This is good news for the nation, the geographical place where God has started this movement and that God shows no favoritism nor partiality. This is good news for the people of Israel that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what happened, he says. And then he goes on like a mini speech, which is typical preacher, myself included. He starts down the same kind of speech that he starts to belt out in Acts chapter two. And then God interrupts this by another blessing, endowment, empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Verse 44, even as Peter was still yammering on, my translation, uh, even as Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message and who were listening to the message. Gentiles, my friends, Romans, Romans, Gentiles, warriors are listening to the message and all the Holy Spirit fell upon all who are listening to the message. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on these Gentiles too. For they heard them speaking in other tongues and other languages to continue to communicate the message that is going to take over the entire world, my friends. We cannot bottle this up with our religion anymore. We just can't. Even as Peter is speaking a very historical retrospective of uh, the good news of the tradition of Abraham and Isaac uh, and Moses and Jacob and David after him, the spirit interrupts a sermon to pour out communicative ability for Gentiles who have always been ostracized by religion. Crazy. And they noticed the Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed at the gifts of the Holy, the gift of the Holy Spirit that had been poured out on the Gentiles for they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. Then Peter asked, can someone please stop this? This is not the way we were raised. No. Then Peter asked, can anyone object to their being baptized right now that they have received the Holy Spirit just as we did? Can anyone object to this? No. We've seen the movement. The, the, the indwelling, the empowerment of the spirit right here with people who we always thought were out and they're in. The Holy Spirit is dwelling within them, giving them the ability to speak the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, who is Lord over all and who is bringing peace to all. So is there any reservation that anybody has for these people to get baptized right now? Nope. So, he gave orders for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And afterwards, Cornelius asked him to stay with them, to stay with Romans, to stay with, with non-Jews for many, many days. It seems that God is more cared about the inner person and the inner person connected with the divine than about religion. It seems that God shows no favoritism. And third principle, it seems that God values love over law. It seems that God values love over law. Once again, verse 35 and 36. Then Peter replied, I see very clearly now that God shows no favoritism. In every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. Let me repeat that. In every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. And this is the message of good news, of the gospel, of good news for all people, for the people of Israel, the nation of Israel, the geography of Israel, that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. Now, um, 
this is where we start to get, uh, as we journey through the book of Acts, we hear this word church now bubbling up. Not temple, not synagogue, but gathering. The word, uh, the Greek word is ecclesia, right? Which is an interesting term, and we've talked about it a little bit before. Um, Jesus coins the phrase in his ministry, as will the apostles later on, out of a very Greekified phrase that meant those who are gathered together and called out for a purpose. So this isn't like foreign to their hearing. They'd be like, wait a minute, that's the term the Greeks and the Romans used to like an assembled body that are gonna make a decision and gonna take it out and make it known. And Jesus is like, yeah, church. That's what that is. This is not a group of people that I've called to just come and sit in a chair or in a pew in a temple and just like eat, eat, eat. But this is a, pe- a, a group of people that I'm calling out and sending out a group of people called together, united for a purpose, ecclesia, that will be uh, people who are sent out, apostles, apostolos, uh, called out with that purpose, sent out with that purpose. This is good news for Israel, for the nation, good news for the Gentiles. There is no longer any barrier. There is peace in Jesus, no more exclusion nor dividing lines. And then it's interesting, that last line is wonderfully haunting. So Peter stayed with Cornelius for a few more days, for several days. Peter stays with somebody who is outside of his religious context, who is unclean within his religious context, who is a God-fearer but poses so much risk. We do not associate with Gentiles for fear of what could happen and why would we ever associate with you who who you've shown by your military power and action you are willing to kill for anybody that does not obey. And yet something has changed in Cornelius's outlook that there is one true God and he's made peace through Jesus Christ who is Lord of all. All of us have been baptized and powered by the spirit and now Peter does not rush off. Peter enjoys table fellowship, stays with him, counts on this home, counts on the fellowship of these like former outsiders to be insiders, to be, to be people gathered around the table, caregivers, brothers and sisters together, empowered by the spirit as a church community that then is called out into the world to show love. And so my friends, thousands of years later today with the spirit living within us, as a church community, who are we? Thousands of years later, as a church community called out ones with the spirit living within us, what does it look like to be an invitational apostolos church being sent out? What does that church look and act like? I'm convinced that Acts 10 shows us the spirit at work in really three questions. Three questions that the, the spirit of God and the, the, the vision of God in Peter's life and in Cornelius's life brings to the surface. Number one, God, who are you asking me to love that maybe I haven't? Number two, God, who are you inviting me to include in this good news that maybe I've ignored? And number three, God, will you bring conversation and connection to my dinner table to those who are not like me? This is the movement of the spirit that the earliest disciples and apostles experienced and were like overtaken by. This was the invitational extension of the known Gentile word at the time, world at the time who were captured by these people of the way and by the resurrected Christ. And these were in general the three principles that they kept coming uh, 
being reminded of God, who are you asking me to love that maybe I haven't? God, who are you inviting me to include in this good news that maybe I've ignored? And God, who are you bringing around my table who are not like me in order to include them in fellowship? Brothers and sisters, may we continue to be a church that is called together, a gathered body of those called out with purpose, not locked inside with fear. Brothers and sisters, may we be a church that invites and does not exclude Brothers and sisters, may we be a church with an absolutely huge dinner table that breaks bread with people that don't always look or sound exactly like us. And may we be a church that makes space for the Peters, for the Corneliuses, for the Pauls, for the Denises, for the Jimmies, and for the Cat Von D's. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you are still by your spirit empowering your church to be a sending agency, to be a hospital for the broken and sick, and to be a place that is a blessing, to be a gathered body that is a blessing to the world with this good news that in you, Jesus, there is peace, there is inclusion, there is salvation, there is forgiveness of sins, and there is motivation to share this story like we heard about last week. God, invite us to love those who maybe we've ignored. God, help us to include those in the good news that maybe we haven't thought of. And God, may we be a movement of church folks, called out ones, who invite and invite and invite and does not exclude. And Jesus, by your spirit, May you add to our numbers, to our gathering, those daily, those who are being saved by the power of your spirit. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And together we all said, amen. amen. amen.